Welcome back, everybody, and it's our 15th episode of the Play Action Pod. Can you believe it's been 15 already? No, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. You know, we're already 15 down. I feel like it was just last week that we just hit the the, the double digits. Yeah, it seemed like, like it was that, last week. Yeah, we hit that 10 mark, and now we're at 15, and we're just we're just rolling with these. We're gonna keep cranking them out twice, like two every week. And uh, yeah, we're bringing a week eight viewers guide today, and actually we have a whole new format that we're going to be following from now on. We started with it a little bit on Sunday when we did that episode, but we're going to go conference by conference and um, give you the best game of the conference and then the other notable games within the conference instead of doing like it was, we were doing like top five games of the week. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll do it. With that format, be a little more organized, um, easy to follow along, and so we can kind of like keep you up to date with who who's the front runner for each conference and and the championship essentially. And if you're an SEC fan and don't wanna don't wanna listen to us talk about the other four conferences, you can skip to the SEC sketch section. Exactly. So, but we'll keep perfect. it nice. Yeah, we'll keep it nice and short for them. You know, yeah. Like a three minute segment, or just like nothing at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing four out of the. We're doing four out of the. Five Power Five conferences, excluding the SEC, they get enough love. You just go on ESPN, and they get talked about all the time. So you can actually go to NFL podcasts, and they're talking about the SEC. Yeah, up there. So <laughs> yeah, you can go to any. You can go to Joe Rogan. They got the SEC yeah, pulled up they on got there. SEC covered. Well. Yeah, well, this weekend, I think there's five ranked, five ranked matchups, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, so five ranked. There were six last week, so a lot of action to you know start off the weekend. Week eight for us. I, when does the when does the college football playoff pool come out? First Tuesday of November. First Tuesday of November. So I, th- I think it's actually November first. Okay. After, I think it's the day after. Halloween. So we get like two more weeks of the AP, and then then we're finally we get can, the real poll. Yeah, we can throw that stuff. Yeah, out. we're hyped for that. But uh, yeah, let's just let's just jump right into it. Let's start with the Pac-12. Um, starting off strong with the top ten matchup, we got UCLA going at Odson. To play the Ducks. Um, UCLA, they're ranked ninth in the country. Oregon at 10. This game's going to be on Fox at 1.30 Mountain Time. And uh, Oregon, they got the six-point spread. As of now, I know it's been changing. I think it opened up at like six and a half. So right now, as of Wednesday, it is at six. But a huge test for both these teams. I know that Oregon has won nine out of the last ten and they've won 22 straight games at home. I think that's the second. It is the second um, longest FBS streak right now behind Clemson, who's at 39 or 38 or something. And uh, so, yeah, big game to look out for. I think UCLA, it's the first time being 6-0 since 2005. So what are, you, what are your thoughts and takeaways from this game? Yeah, this is, uh, is going to be an interesting game because – UCLA hasn't done a lot of traveling away from Los Angeles. I think they've only been to to Boulder so yeah. far. And, you know, no disrespect to our Colorado viewers out there, but your team is uh, rebuilding, we'll say. <laughs> we'll say that. Rebuilding. That's a nice. That's, that's a really nice. It's so, a nice way of saying that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, this is a really big challenge for UCLA, you know, going up to, to Autzen to play against those Eugene Ducks. And they're going to have to give – probably their best performance of the season to to be able to come down with this one. I know 
I know they played really good against, you know, Washington on that Friday night game. And then, you know, the following week as well, played really well against Utah as well. But I think this Oregon team presents a different challenge. Not because I think Oregon's, you know, better than some of those other teams. You know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I think playing on the road in the Pac-12 is just a completely different scenario than playing at home. So, and I think UCLA is going to learn that. I think they're going to learn it very early too. Yeah. And we saw earlier this year when we thought BYU was great. Then they traveled to Odson and just got destroyed. So, yeah, pretty interesting. No, yeah, and so I think it's going to come down to we're going to learn a lot about, you know, DTR and kind of how he deals with, you know, the pressure of, of being on the road and, you know, how he takes care of the ball, how he, how efficient they can be on offense. And, you know, it's going to start with that, that trio of DTR, you know, Zach Charbonnet and then, and then Jake Bobo. They're going to have to kind of keep that momentum of how they played at home. They're going to have to keep it going against this Oregon defense who, you know, they fly around the field for sure. Yeah, I know, I know that you said – that that trio was probably the best in the Pac-12, or at least better than the USC trio in Caleb Williams, um, Travis, or what's it, Die? Travis Die. Travis yeah. Die, and Jordan Addison. So you still, you still holding on to that? You still believe that? I don't know. After watching those boys play last week at USC, yeah, I think I think the reason that kind of swayed me so much was, I think I think Caleb Williams is probably better than DTR, but I think I could take. A little bit less. I just think the gap between Travis Dye and Zach Charbonnet is huge. Mm-hmm. I think Zach Charbonnet is is one of the premier backs in in the whole you know nation. Just a lot more physical. A lot more physical. You know, he's got the speed too to go with it. So that was kind of my reasoning there. And then like I I, I love Jake Bobo. I really do. You know, I think I think having size and speed is just such a deadly combo. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, even Jordan Addison, you know, he played he played really good. You know, last week when we were watching him live too. So. I don't know. I think I think my my decision has definitely changed a little bit, but I'm still a huge fan of of that trio yeah. for UCLA, and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play their best to to have a chance in this one this weekend. And I know that DTR he I was looking at an article by ESPN, and they had their Heisman top five watch list, and they had DTR at four, Caleb Williams at five. So it's cool to see two Pac-12 players in there amongst you know the big dogs. Obviously, there's Stroud up there. Bryce Young, and then I forgot who else was in there as well. Probably Hendon, hopefully. Hendon. Oh yeah, uh, I would. I would yeah, hope he'd be yeah, there. Yeah, I think it was Hendon Hooker at one. So. Yeah. So um, for for you know UCLA, they're gonna have to get the best effort out of you know out of DTR, especially. I think it. I think it all starts with him, and you know trying to get that running game going with Zach Charbonnet, and then getting him obviously outside the pocket to make plays to his wide receivers, but. For Oregon, who has been pretty susceptible to giving up points, you know they obviously gave up 49 to to Georgia, and then another 41 to Wazoo. You know, a mediocre Stanford team. You know, put 27 on them. So I think I think their their defense is very athletic, but I think they are prone to you know giving up you know yards and points. So that's where UCLA is going to have to really capitalize to try to get ahead of them early and then keep going to you know, keep a lead for themselves. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. And UCLA, they haven't been terrible on the road. I know we have talked about how Oregon and how successful they've been at home. But UCLA, they won six out of the last seven away from Pasadena over the over the past two seasons. So kind of rolling on the road. We'd like to see them, you know, put up a big fight against these Ducks who have been, 
you know, taking care of business at home. Yeah, and for for Oregon, I guess, you know, Bo Nix is going to have to play his best game of, of the season, you know. Last time we saw him challenged against Georgia, we we saw the Bo Nix that we that we knew yeah. and and loved. <laughs> so I think for, for Oregon, it's going to be – I think it's a very similar game plan to what they were doing against BYU uh, in that week. What was that, week two, week three matchup? Yeah, I think it was week three, yeah. I think it's going to be a ton of running the ball with uh, with those running backs and kind of trying to open up open up the pass for Bo Nix to kind of make it easy on himself. You know, you don't want him to have to throw. Like I said, if if he throws more than thirty times, I think it's going to hurt you. You know, as a football team. So I think for them, they got to run the ball first, get it going, and then you know they can open up those pass plays with uh, Troy Franklin and Bo Nix in the passing game. Yeah, and both these teams starting off. 3 and 0 in conference play. What does a win for each of them mean when it comes to the race in the Pac-12 championship and who's going to make it into the game? Could we see this rematch, you know, in a Pac-12 championship? I think you easily could. You know, I think I think the winner of this game takes a real at least one foot into that Pac-12 championship game for sure. You know, with both them being undefeated i think for ucla the schedule is a little bit easier if they can you know get the win this weekend but for oregon getting getting that win as the last undefeated team in the conference really helps them a lot because they they do still have some tough teams you know they got utah on that schedule they have washington on that schedule and you know oregon state on the road is going to be tricky as well so i think for oregon it's really really big to win this game this weekend because if you don't you still have some tricky tricky games down the line yeah and i don't think a two-loss team is going to make it Oh, this no. championship. Not in this conference, yeah, for sure. no way. Chaos would have to, like, ensue 100%. But, so the winner of this will be the last undefeated team in the conference, within conference play. Yes, yes. And I think that's that's huge, especially with, you know, who you're talking as the one-loss teams, you know? Yeah. USC and Utah with both one-losses are still very good football teams, you know, with obviously UCLA beating Utah and Utah beating SC. Oregon is lucky that they miss out on USC this year. You know, UCLA still has obviously that highly, you know, touted matchup down the line with USC. So I think that's also important for UCLA because even if they if they win this weekend, they still gotta end up beating USC too. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for them. But they I think they gotta find a way to, you know, get it done this weekend so that they can keep their uh, their hopes alive when USC comes to town, you know, I think it's second to last week of the yeah. season. So, well, even if they do get the win here, it kind of like takes the pressure off of that game against USC because they could sneak in with that one loss. I think it also answers a lot of questions about your football team too. I think, I think there is a portion of, of people who are still kind of saying, you know, UCLA might still be a little overrated because yep. they haven't really done it on the road. They haven't traveled outside of Pasadena too much. You know, their two best games against Utah and Washington were both at home. Mm-hmm. So I think people want to see how they do it on the road. And if they go to Austin and get absolutely blown out, I think that's going to be a real eye-opener to a yeah. lot of people about this UCLA football team. Yeah, and I'm assuming that's why the line has opened up at a six-point favorite for the one-loss Ducks. But I, I think it's time to just jump into our predictions. You can go first. This is a tough one for me because – Usually when I make my predictions, I pick off of the team, which quarterback I like better, 
and which defense I like better. It's kind of like two of the, the criteria when I look at football teams. I like UCLA's quarterback better, and I like UCLA's defense better. So obviously I'm going UCLA. But but Oregon's Oregon. at home. They got that record College at game day is going to be there. They have that record at Autzen. They've won nine out of the last ten. I think Bo Nix is capable of playing in a certain scheme, like what we saw against you know BYU, with a heavy, not like a heavy run dose, but like using the run to take pressure off off the pass game. And I think that was really effective. And I think it's something we could again see, you know, this weekend as well. I know mm-hmm. UCLA is a pretty pretty solid run defense, but if Oregon gets the ball moving against these guys and are able to open up the pass, you know, for Bo Nix, I think it could be a very, very long day for UCLA, especially because it's really tough to go into an environment that you haven't seen before and, you know, put up a similar performance that they've been doing all season. And they haven't seen, you know, fans in the stands before. You know, they don't see that at home. (laughs) I guess they saw it at Colorado, but that game was over pretty quick. So... For all four quarters, it's going to be fans. it's going to be interesting to see you know DTR and them walk out there and be like, wow, people actually come to to football games up yeah, here in yeah. Oregon. You know, I can't so, see any seats. It's crazy. I know. Usually they're used to just seeing bleachers, and you know, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be really eye opening to this UCLA team, and that's why I got Oregon. I think they also cover cover that spread too. I think they win win by a little bit, and really grab a hold of the Pac-12. And you know, control their destiny the rest of the, the wow. rest of the way. So you're basing your pick off of just the the history of this matchup. History, like, fans, and how they perf- yeah, just how Oregon performs at home. Mostly fans though. Yeah, yeah. Because you know UCLA doesn't really have any. Yeah, they, so. they don't. They probably won't travel. There's no. Yeah. They won't I, even travel 30 minutes off campus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a visitor section for this one, but there probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know if there's any UCLA fans. It's not going to be a lot. Of, we're going to be seeing a lot of yellow. And green, and it's not going to be the UCLA yellow. It's going to be it's going to be that duck. It's going to be that duck yellow and no blue. Maybe maybe a couple blue. Maybe like you know trickle. the coaching staff will be in blue or yeah. something. So maybe maybe some family will show out. Yeah, maybe DTR DTR's fan pulling out. But yeah, I like Oregon as well. I think that you know based off of how they've performed at home, it's actually good to see them back in the top ten. Who would have thought after you know we watched that Georgia game week one who would have thought we'd see Oregon sitting at 10 you know after six weeks so you know it's it's cool or seven weeks I guess they've had their bye but yeah it's cool to see them back in the top 10 I like them at home I think it's very difficult to play in Odson. I think it will get to DTR and that squad so yeah yeah I got Oregon winning I don't know about necessarily covering but I like a high very high scoring game I think both of these offenses will put up a lot of points Probably a race to, you know, who will get to 45, 50 points first. Because, you know, looking at this over-under, it's at 70 and a half. Yeah, I'd smash the over on that. Yeah, you would? I, I think I would, yeah. And that's think, pretty high. I think the last time they played in Pasadena last year, it was 34-31. So that's what, 65 Yeah. combined? I think they could easily. That's Especially, fun. like, a yeah. more competent Oregon offense. Yeah. And I would say, you know, even uh, probably even better UCLA offense. and. I think Oregon's really taking a step back on defense too. Yeah. So I'd probably smash the over on that one. I do think that if this game was in Pasadena, I think it'd be a different story. Not not just because, you know, UCLA has some crazy fans and they're, they're, a lot of people would show out. It's just like Oregon. I think the Oregon fans are going to get to UCLA, you know, more. 
in in that environment for sure. Yeah, I think if this game's in Pasadena, you know, I think for Oregon, it's probably hard on them because you know it's literally silent. It's like a library, so they really don't they really don't know, you know, like like what to do because you know they're usually having to yell calls back and uh-huh. forth, but now they don't. They need can to kind of whisper them because you can you know hear it because it's basically it's probably it's basically louder. a library. It's probably so. louder at their practices. Probably yeah. it's a home game at UCLA, so so. Yeah, yeah, I like Oregon winning this one. And, yeah, it, it would really shake up. You know, this week is going to really determine who's going to be the, you know, at the, at the top of the Pac-12 after after that one. But um, some other notable games in the Pac, Washington going at Cal. A quick prediction for that one. What are you, what are you thinking? I like Washington. I think, I think Washington is leading the nation in passing yards. Which is interesting to me. Yeah, I thought it because I was looking up, you know, stats from Mississippi State today. I think I saw that with Washington. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. So I think Washington's a really potent offense that gets going and scores a lot of points and is you know high flying, you know, up tempo, everything you want in an offense. But I just don't think their defense can stop anybody. Yeah. But like, luckily for Cal, you only have to stop them once or twice, and like that that'll be it. Cause for think, Cal to win. For Washington, because oh, okay, I think yeah. Washington will score on almost yeah. every drive. So gotcha. stop them once or twice. That's probably the game up there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like Washington winning that one. <clears throat> I think I think they're still one of the better better teams in the pack. I think the Arizona State loss was tough to yeah. take, and I think it it generally fell on their defense. Like I just don't think their defense has helped them out enough this season yeah. to kind of push them into that Pac-12 championship mm-hmm. race. But yeah, I like Washington to win over. Kevin. Yeah, I've I've been high on Michael Penix Jr. All year, I think he's a great quarterback, and I got Washington as well. I think I think they'll find a way to, to you know, bounce back and get a win at Cal. And then uh, last one we're going to talk about in the pack is going to be Colorado. You know, coming off their first win of the year in Boulder, going at Oregon State and Corvallis, which I mean has proven to be a tough place to play. I think they were undefeated last year, six and zero at home in Corvallis. Who do you who do you got in that game? Yeah, I'm gonna also I'm gonna go with Oregon State for this one. You know, I'm happy for Colorado. If you know, it feels nice to get a get a win under your belt. But you know, I think, I think Oregon State is is actually pretty underrated. You know, for them being potentially the fifth best team in the Pac-12, I think you know they would, you know, compete with a lot of teams in the nation. Yeah. So I think their problem is, I think someone, I don't know who it was, but I think someone said it best that Oregon State has 21 really really good players, but the one or the 22nd player that they need is a quarterback. They just don't have it. Yeah. So if they can figure out how to get a quarterback, I think Oregon State would actually be a really dangerous team in this league. But, yeah, I think they shouldn't really have any problem with Colorado. Yeah, and, I mean, who knows if chaos doesn't sue in the Pac-12 and maybe a two-loss team sneaks into the championship. Maybe Oregon State will be a team that we talk about later in this year. But I think it starts with a win against Colorado at home just, you know, based off of how they performed at home so far and last year as well. So, I like the Beavers, you know, getting it done against against Colorado this, in that one. Well, it's like you're looking down the rest of their schedule too. You know, they have they have Cal, they have Arizona State, and they have Colorado. Those are like probably the three of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. So, you know, besides Washington and Oregon, I think eight wins for for our Oregon State team is is really really solid. With yeah. a chance to maybe you know maybe they win one at Washington or maybe they even beat Oregon. So, mm-hmm. you could argue that. They could be a nine-win team, nine-win which team. I think would be a really good season for Oregon yeah, State. Yeah, hundred percent. It's very like it's very within reach for them. Win your bowl game, ten-win season, you can build upon that. That's I something think people you can forget that you know 
they competed with USC. Yeah, they probably should have beat them. They probably should be them. I think they turned it over four times. Yeah. So, so they they can definitely hang with the top dogs, and we'll, we'll get to see that later later this year. All right, ACC time, and we got a big one this weekend. Two undefeated teams facing off. We got the Syracuse Orange going at the Clemson Tigers. It's the Orange battle, and uh, I got a question for you. Are you still are you still sleeping on Syracuse? Fast asleep. Fast asleep. Fast asleep. <laughs> I knew that was gonna be. And it looks response. like looks like Vegas is sleeping on them too. So. Yeah, with this spread, thirteen and a half point favorite for Clemson. This game is gonna be in the morning, ten a.m. on ABC. Clemson, they've won thirty seven straight at home. That's gonna be kind of the fact that you, you gotta think of when going into this game, because uh, when when you're thinking that Syracuse has a chance, just think that. Clemson hasn't lost for a long time. <laughs> that's like home. that's like sick. That's like almost seven years. I'm trying to that's think. Like, yeah, I was trying to that's think. That's about seven years. Yeah. So. So. Brock was still in diapers when that happened. <laughs> no. Yeah. So. Brock was still in diapers last time Clemson lost at home. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you were probably retired. That was a, that was time. about right though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also looking at his over under, and it's uh, 49 and a half, and I'm thinking like, am I taking the over? Am I taking the under? I don't think I'm going to take the over because I just don't see Clemson, you know, scoring 49. So, because I think they'll sh- f- I think they'll shut out Syracuse. So, I see Clemson. I think Clemson scoring like 42. So 42-0 kind of doesn't get that over under. You know what I mean? You think they're shutting them out? I can't I tell. Just, I just don't think they'll score. So a shutout basically. Nah, I'm just playing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so confused. I was just disrespecting Syracuse because yeah, you know for real. they're just sleeping on that orange. I just no, I was thinking think about that good. We had that orange conversation like a couple episodes ago, and uh, you think Clemson orange here is better? Like just color, just color. Yeah, because Clemson Clemson's got that nice purple in the background too. Oh yeah, so nice. it makes the orange. What see, like that? with Syracuse, it's like dark blue or something. Yeah, it's like a navy. What is that? I don't. It's like, it's like a dark blue. It just gives me it like looks a, good on like a basketball jersey. I feel like yeah, maybe not football, but you know we'll we'll see we'll see how things play out. Um, this think, weekend, DJ Uyunglele, my boy, our boy, who we can pronounce now. He's yeah. been putting up some monster numbers. I mean, I'm looking at his stat line: 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions. I mean, he's been kind of like low key balling. I think. Yeah, and say I wake up every morning and I look myself in the mirror and I just say Uyunglele just 20 times, just to warm up, just to warm up my warm voice up the for vocals the day. to get yeah. ready for the day. So Will Shipley, he's he's easier to say, but he's also been balling out. I mean, yeah, five hundred, five hundred sixty-seven yards, eight touchdowns. I feel like he has been like a reason, the reason for like Clemson's success on offense. You know, just kind of taking the pressure off DJ. Man, DJ's line actually does surprise me. You know, seventeen and two is is very good numbers. Yeah. So I wonder how many. He's got any rushing touchdowns on him? I assume he's got at least a couple. But yeah, um, looks like he's got one, two, so maybe like twenty touchdowns to twenty twenty-one touchdowns to two interceptions. That's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. So, no, yeah, and takes care of the ball. You know, yeah, and I think I think it's just business as usual for Clemson this weekend. You know, you're at home. You know, you got that crowd behind you. You got a team that's, you know, they're riding high. They got some momentum going. People expected them to, you know, 
not be anything special this year. And, you know, they're, they're kind of putting together some wins. So I think it'll be business as normal for Clemson. You know, top 15 team comes in and, you know, they leave, you know, being pretty dominated and, and not really putting up too much of a fight. I don't I just think this is just business as usual for Clemson. But I think if Syracuse were to find a way to win this game, I think chaos would ensue in that Atlantic division because now you're looking at, you know, Clemson's undefeated in or Syracuse to be undefeated in conference and then, you know, Clemson's a one-loss team in conference and so is Wake Forest. So you can make an argument that they're back in the conversation. Personally. Oh yeah, and I think we talked about on the recap about Syracuse run that they have. I think they have it's like Notre Dame's in there, Clemson's in there, Wake Forest is in there. I think Florida State's in there as well. So, you know, we're really going to learn a lot about this Syracuse Orange team in the next coming weeks. And I think it starts with their quarterback, you know, Garrett Schrader, the Mississippi State transfer. You know, he's going to he's going to have to keep ball and keep kind of doing his thing to keep these Syracuse Orange at float, but I've also been pretty impressed with, you know, their defense for the most part. I think they they play really solid defense and you know, keeping teams under 200 passing yards and 100 rushing yards is definitely a recipe for success. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how Clemson passes against the Syracuse defense and see if they have any success doing that. And, you know, obviously Will Shipley is is the, the dog of that Clemson that Clemson offense. So but we saw, get yeah, going. we saw a little weakness in the Clemson secondary when we watched that Wake Forest game. You know, maybe that's for Schrader, that's going to be, you know, a point of emphasis is attack those corners who, because I know I know they've had some injuries resulting in, you know, third strings coming in. So definitely something to look out for, I think so. Yeah, Garrett Schrader has to shred these Clemson defensive backs to have success this weekend. Garrett so, Schrader? Garrett, Garrett. Garrett Schrader, these Clemson D-backs, is uh, what they got to do this weekend. So... Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a good game. I I just you know like you said, when you win thirty seven straight at home, you're obviously doing something right. I just think it's business as usual for Clemson. I I just would be very surprised if they had if they had any kind of trouble with this Syracuse Orange team. I think I think Syracuse is definitely outperforming you know what a lot of people thought of them, but you know Clemson's a different monster. They've kind of ran through the ACC the last couple of years. So if Syracuse wants to, you know, be that top dog in the ACC, you got to beat the best, and that's going on the road and winning in a tough environment in Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I think this might be uh, Clemson's last ranked matchup, unless somehow, you know, Notre Dame sneaks back in because they got Syracuse this week, Notre Dame, then Louisville, Miami, who's been looking terrible, and then South Carolina to close the season. So maybe, I mean, I, I see Clemson running the table if, if they get it done here, and I see them getting it done as well, so... I got Clemson running the table is what I'm saying. Yeah, 12-0 and 0 Clemson uh, going into that ACC championship game against potential against Duke. North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. My, yeah. boy, uh, my boy May, May, that quarterback. So, yeah, so for Syracuse, you know, you really want to really prove, prove. I think a lot of the nation is, is fast asleep on Syracuse. I, I don't think I'm in the minority in that one. Yeah. Maybe I am. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Syracuse is just this juggernaut now, but you know, if this is on a basketball court, like I said, I'm taking Syracuse, but you know, we're playing football this weekend. I got Clemson winning. I even think they'll cover that spread too. I just think I think if Clemson's offense gets rolling early and scores points early, I just don't think Syracuse is gonna have the firepower 
to keep up with them. So it could get ugly. It could be a close game. I think there's a better chance of it getting ugly before it gets, you know, close. I think that Clemson defensive line is going to cause real havoc to this Syracuse offensive line and that quarterback. So we'll kind of have to watch that as a matchup throughout the game. But, yeah, I got Clemson winning. I got them covering the spread as well. And I think they're going to go to 8-0 and probably win out the rest of the way. Yeah. I think uh, – I don't think Syracuse has been tested yet this year. I know that they had top 15 NC State last week. I mean, Devin Leary was out, so that's a whole different football team. But, you know, for their first real test to be on the road against Clemson, who hasn't lost there in who knows how many years that is. But um, I, th- I think that's going to be a tough one. I think that Vegas opening the line at 13.5 definitely means something, you know, for, for a top 15 matchup. So, I mean, I got Clemson winning this one. I don't know if they necessarily cover the spread. I'm not going to really make any comment on that because I don't want to disrespect any fan bases out there. But I got Clemson, you know, improving their record to 8-0, starting off 6-0 in conference. But I would like to see if Syracuse could find a way to play absolutely perfect and pull off a win against this football team, I would be more than happy for them to, you know, prove us wrong, prove the rest of the country country wrong, and then, you know, getting in that playoff conversation. So, yeah, but I, I still I still got Clemson winning. It, with that being said, I got Clemson winning by twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that plays out. But two other games to look out for in the ACC: one being Boston College going at number thirteen Wake Forest. You know, if chaos doesn't sue and Syracuse gets it done, um, Wake Forest. You know, maybe they're in contention for that Atlantic Division of the ACC. But who do you see winning that one? Yeah, I think the Demon Dinkins are huge Syracuse Orange fans this weekend. Because, you know, if Syracuse beats them, then, you know, Wake Forest still has Syracuse on on the schedule. So everything's everything's opened up again for them. But, yeah, I think for Wake Forest, I think this is going to be just kind of like what Clemson. I think it's going to be business as usual. You know, Sam Hartman's been doing his thing all year. And I, I just don't expect anything less. I think, you know, he'll go out there and, you know, put on a show and get this Wake Forest team to six and one, I got Wake Forest winning a big one over Boston College at home. Yeah, and maybe uh, you know, if some other top ten teams lose, then maybe they're back in the top ten. But I like Sam Harbin and uh, the Demon Deacons. You know, business as usual, getting it done against Boston College in that one at home. And uh, the next game, last one for the ACC is going to be Pitt at Louisville. Man. Pitt actually had a lot of high hopes going into the season. You know, I, I know uh, uh, Desmond Howard had them in the playoff. So he did. I, I had high hopes for Pitt. I didn't have that Based high of that. hopes. Yeah. Um, so I thought they, I thought they'd be you know about something what they were last was it, year. Was but, it Desmond? Was it Desmond's high hopes or was he just high? <laughs> he might have been. He might have been just blazed. But I think I think he had. He was the one that had like Pitt Baylor. Um, oh, oh, A&M, A&M, and A&M and another random one, but yeah. you know, whatever, but yeah, whatever. back to Pitt and Louisville, Keaton Slovis kind of not had the season we thought he was going to. I wonder if he's been, been injured, but only five touchdowns, three interceptions. So for Pitt, they're going to need Mr. Slovis to get going and kind of play like we thought he was going to going into this season. I know some people had him as a potential 
oh wow, yeah, never mind. It's that it's all about that running back. Um Aben Abankata. Abani Abani Kata. Abani Kanda. But last week he had 36 carries for 320 yards and six touchdowns. So that's why Mr. Slovis. <laughs> that's why Mr. Slovis hasn't been a been a you know balling as much because they got that stud running back. Holy. So yeah, for for Pitt, just hand him the ball and you know You'll, watch him do his thing. Yeah. But Malik Cunningham is also a weird one for me because you know I saw the comparison to to. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I thought that he maybe was, you know, Lamar Jackson 2.0. He just hasn't really put it together for him, which is really unfortunate. But He's got nine rushing touchdowns. Malik Cunningham? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I thought he was going to be the one that brought Louisville back into into high relevancy. But, yeah, yeah I, I, got, I got Pitt on yeah. this one, winning on the road. I think Keaton Slovis, you know, gets it going a little bit this week. And I think that running back has another huge day, you know. Especially with Louisville giving up, you know, over 200 yards on the ground, so yeah, I got Pitt. I, yeah, I don't know if uh, Lamar Jackson was ever three and three at Louisville. I don't even think Lamar Jackson lost three games at Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and it's, so it's kind of crazy to get that comparison, but this is kind of like one of those coin toss games. I think Louisville will win this. I think Malik Cunningham will will pull through and get a win for the boys at home because I they've struggled on the road. I'm looking down at their schedule. They they can't seem to get it done. They're they lost to Boston College. They're actually favored in this game. Yeah, no, they're they're picked two by and two and a half. half. Yeah, yeah, so I, I like I like Louisville getting it done against Pitt at home. All right, so I know there's been some SEC listeners out there just foaming at the mouth, getting ready for us to talk about them. Well, here is your moment, and uh, yeah, we're gonna start off with a actually some breaking news. Um, you know, dating back to last week, Bama lost to Tennessee. You know, there was there was uh, the fans who rushed the field. Um, one of the one of the Alabama players, Jermaine Burton, was exiting the field, and he actually struck a uh, Tennessee fan, some some girl who was rushing the field and was running past him. I don't know if she said anything or the context of that, but he there was a video of him striking her in the head. I think it was with was an open hand, closed hand. I don't know the details on that, but. It's kind of hard to see from the video. It's pretty blurry. But, um, yeah, there hasn't been any reports on any action taken on him. I know that I've seen some things on Twitter without sources saying that he went to jail, which uh, doesn't really make sense because, you know, it, it occurred in Tennessee. So I was wondering, you know, if he got booked in Tennessee jail or if, you know, they flew him back out there, what, whatever the details of that was. But um, it looks like Saban did respond today to the situation he kind of just said that they were aware with um you know what happened with Jermaine Burton as he was leaving the field on Saturday and that they're just working to uh gather information right now so that's that's kind of the that's all the details we have on that so far but um yeah they got a big one against Mississippi State at home a ranked matchup I know Bama dropped to number six and Mississippi State is sitting at 24 both the teams coming off of road losses, um, looking to get a bounce back win, and I know it's pretty scary to uh, play against Alabama. You know, the week after they lose, we saw earlier after, uh, well, they didn't lose, but it was a close one, and then they they responded with a big win against Arkansas. So um, that game will be on ESPN 
at five o'clock. The line is opened up at twenty-one point favorite for Alabama. Um, all right, Brock. Let's let's hear what you have to say about this game. Man, I don't I don't know the last time, if at all, Alabama has lost back-to-back games. Yeah, I, I can't think of a time that they have. No, at least while we've been alive. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a while, but no, yeah, like. I don't want to. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to. I think if there's a team that could do it and give Alabama back-to-back losses, I think it could be this Mississippi State team. Why is I, that? Why is that? Because I think Will Rogers throws the ball at such a level that it could be, it could be really tough for Alabama to defend against. With like, I, I, we already know that their defense kind of has some cracks in it. And I think if, you know, Will Anderson in that pass rush doesn't get to Mississippi State, I think I think Will Rogers could sling the ball around the field and give him a chance to win. But with that being said, there's there's no way Alabama loses back to back, right? With all of that all of that information against Alabama, I got them covering plus fourteen. I got them I got them winning by sixty. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, I don't know. I think this Mississippi State team does does present a potential problem, maybe for Alabama. You know, they're giving up about you know two hundred seventy six yards a game through the air. I know Mississippi State's in the top ten of passing yards per game, so maybe a definite or maybe definitely a, a battle to watch out there kind of see how how those uh Alabama corners defend against the pass there but you know for Alabama this is just the complete revenge game for you I think if if you go out there and dominate Mississippi State at home you probably jump back up to number two in the nation probably because that's a really good win at home against Mississippi State so <laughs> no they're back in one what are you talking oh yeah, about? yeah you're right you're right <laughs> I'd say I wonder if people actually like sometimes wonder if I'm kidding when I say stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But... I, I sometimes I don't understand your sarcasm. I'm just like, but uh, rolling with it. No, yeah. So this is this is the real comeback game for Alabama. They're gonna they're gonna have to, you know, not get penalized first off. Yeah. Seventeen penalties last week. Cut those in half, and you improve your chance of winning by you know, who knows how much. But uh-huh. you know they got to cut down the penalties. You know. Don't let a linebacker try and uh, return some punts. That's that's yeah. another good idea. So that's it. That's a great. I'm sure it's been a a rough week. Oh yeah, it's been a rough week. We're prayers out to uh, the Bama players and staff out there. You know they're probably going through it right now. We're we're thinking about you guys. The staff probably hasn't left the building. Yeah. This whole week they, they took probably... the charter straight to the facility and they've been sleeping. There. Well, not even sleeping. They've been staying. They had to sleep on the plane. Yeah. They had to sleep on the plane preparing for, you know, six or seven days of just straight work. They got into the facility probably probably about five AM Sunday morning and they haven't left. They're yeah, still they they're still there. Yeah. So prayers out to them. Yeah, yeah. they're going through it right now. Yeah, they they are. For but sure. I agree. I think if, if anyone, you know, can can replicate what Tennessee did last week it could be Mississippi State Mississippi State because I know we've had a lot of high praise on Bama and how there's tons of NFL talent on you know the defensive side of the ball Miss or Tennessee put up 52 points on them when when is Alabama allowed that many points you know outside of maybe a championship game or a uh, you know a playoff game and uh Will Rogers sitting at 23 touchdowns on the year third in the country 
right now behind uh, your, your boy, I think he's Drake May, and, uh, and C.J. Stroud. So, you know, if they can kind of break down this defense as well as Tennessee was able to do it last week and, you know, make them pay for the mistakes that Bama might make again, who knows if they do, then I think Mississippi State will have a legitimate chance. I think it's different, you know, that the game is in Tuscaloosa instead of it being at home. So that'll obviously play a huge role into, uh, you know, how it plays out. But, you know, I, I agree. I think Will Rogers will have to take over this game and play essentially perfect in order to have a chance to beat this this Bama team. Yeah, and there's a clear trend with Mississippi State and, you know, their their schedule. It seems like anytime they score, it looks like they scored 39 or more, you know, they've won, you know, football games. Yeah. You know, they scored 49, 39, 45, 42, 40, all in wins. In their two losses, they only scored 16 and 17. So mm-hmm. I think if this offense gets rolling and gets points on the board quick, I think a shootout is exactly what Mississippi State wants. You know, yeah. I think I think they're going to want, you know, to score and have Alabama respond and then them score and have Alabama respond. I think they're going to want to play that high level, you know, throwing the ball over the field kind of football game. And I, I don't know if Bama, I know Bama can do it. I don't know if that's necessarily what Bama wants to do. I think they want to control the game and kind of score at their own will. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes this game super interesting, especially with both teams coming off a loss. But yeah, I just think, I think it's too tough. I think that line is a little big, though. Yeah, I, I, think was, I was literally just looking at that. 21. I think 21 is a little high. It's a little disrespectful for uh, Mississippi State. Like, I, th- I think Mississippi State will be in this game for at least most of it. I think if Alabama pulls away, it will only be by, you know, 14 or 17. I don't know if it will necessarily be by 21. So I think that's that's a very interesting line that they got. It must the, be, it's got to be based off of, you know, how they perform after a loss. Bama, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegas must have some crazy stat. Yeah, that they got like, some stat where it's like Bama, you know, wins by a margin of victory of sixty every time they yeah. lose. That and, would that would be interesting to look up though yeah. and, and see like, you know, how does Alabama perform after a loss? I yeah. assume it's probably ninety nine point nine percent wins. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. think they've I, I cannot remember a time when they've lost back to back games. Yeah, so me neither. It would have to be like, you know, pre Nick Saban era. Yeah. So unless like maybe they lost an SEC championship game, and then proceeded to lose a playoff game, but hey, but you know they how many did they win in a row against Tennessee, and that was broken. Fifteen. Fifteen. So, I mean, it's been done before. You know, we chaos has been has been going on so far. And and here's my question for you: If Mississippi State somehow pulls off what I think is a miraculous victory against Alabama. You know, is Bama out of playoff contention at two losses? Oh, definitely not. Any other team? Yes. Alabama? No. That's a, uh, you. Oh, Alabama has to lose three games <laughs> to be out. Because then, I mean, if they run the table and they're SEC champion champions, then they're still in. Exactly. Yep. That's what's so. It's just tough, you know. Yeah. So. No comment on that. <laughs> no comment on the bias. I don't know. It's just like, I think the kind of procedure of looking at football teams is one of their like little kind of things that they look for is the eye test. And if you look at Alabama play football, no matter how many games they've won or lost, Alabama's a good football team. Like they yeah. always are, you know, they could lose to Tennessee and Georgia 
and still be one of the top, you know, four teams in the country. That's mm-hmm. just kind of how it works with them. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a great game, I think, this week. I think it'll be a lot closer. Well, I guess with that being said, Alabama's going to win by sixty. But yeah, careful I, what you say. Careful. I genuinely think it'll be it'll be a semi close game. I think the the most it will get is like I said, maybe like fourteen or seventeen. So cause I, I think Mississippi State is capable of putting up points and competing with this Alabama team. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the fact that I don't know if Nick Saban has ever lost back to back games. And if and if they have, you know, make sure to make sure to tweet at us, you know, when that was. But I'm looking it up right now, and I I can't find anything about the last time that they lost back to back games. So mm-hmm. very interesting to kind of see how this one goes. But yeah, I think I think Bama wins. Yeah, this weekend for sure. So they're cursed now. Now that you yeah, I'd say they're they're losing. You picked Bama now. last week; they lost. But uh, yeah, I got Bama bouncing back, winning. Um, I think Bryce will have a big game. Will will have a big game. I actually see him covering as well. You know, I, I think twenty one is really high, but um, that this this team's gonna be fired up. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they've been they've been going through it this week, and uh, the they're gonna want to kill him. You know, it's gonna be one of those, you know, revenge games, showing the country. You know, we are we should be a top five team in the country regardless of that loss which sucks because i think that there's some undefeated teams that deserve to be ranked higher than alabama at number six so yeah but i got i got bama winning big at home against mississippi state 2007 alabama went seven and six and they lost back-to-back games multiple times they lost back-to-back games they lost to georgia and then the next week to florida state and then they lost four straight to LSU, no. Mississippi State, Alabama, or to wow, Louisiana Monroe, and then Auburn. So it has been done before. And but that was back four in a row. That's crazy. I think that was his first season at Alabama. Yeah. So and then then the era was birthed after that. So that's and crazy. actually, in two thousand eight, it also happened again. He lost the SEC championship game to Florida. And then proceeded to lose to a team from Salt Lake City, University of Utah, oh, so in 2008 to... Sugar Bowl. So that was the last. So, was that the last time confirmed? Uh, I'd have to go through the rest yeah, of, yeah. of their results. We'll just assume because uh, you know we, 14 we want the that stat. year, 10 and three. They didn't lose back to back games that year either. I'm a. I'm, I'd be very yeah. surprised because most of their seasons end in one loss or or two. Lo- oh, they actually did lose back to back games in a. Uh, 2013 lost to Auburn and then proceeded to lose to Oklahoma also in the Sugar Bowl. So So, it's usually at the end of the year though, when you're playing like in an SEC championship and then a bowl game. Seems like the theme is they've, they've lost the SEC championship and then proceeded to lose the uh, bowl game as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a fun fact out there for you guys. I'm sick of talking about Bama. Okay. Let's, let's move on to the rest of the, of the SEC, a big one is going to be that Ole Miss seventh in the country going at LSU. Ole Miss is seven and zero for just the second time since 1962, and uh, the last time they start out seven and zero was in 2014, going into a Week Eight matchup against none other than LSU, and LSU was able to get the win, ten to seven. So same scenario as back. In 2014, uh, LSU kind of, you know, stopping the streak for the 7-0 
Rebels, do they do they do that again this week? LSU is kind of an interesting team because their two losses are to Florida State, who's good, not great, and then Tennessee, who we who I think we both think is is tremendous, very good football team. So could they do it against Ole Miss this weekend? I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one. It's in Death Valley, right? Yeah. On the road. What time is that football game? Do we have a time on that? Yeah, I'll get it. I'll get the time. Because if it's a... Uh, 1.30. Oh. See, I'd prefer... Oh, mountain time, mountain time. I would so prefer... I'd prefer like a like a 5 o'clock Eastern for, for that LSU game, but... Like a night <sighs> game? You, you think of the night games? I think night games at Death Valley makes it a lot, That's right, a lot more complicated. You were asking the same question a couple of weeks ago when they had Tennessee. Tennessee at home. Yeah, yeah, it was a day game and they just got killed. So Interesting. Well, I ooh, I don't know. LSU's the favorite. LSU is favored. That I, I just too. saw that, yeah. Whoa. You know what? I'm going to get a little crazy. I'm going to go LSU okay. over Ole Miss. I'm going to say, you know, last time they had a top 10 team come to town, they got embarrassed. I don't think that'll be the case again. I think this will be a closer game. I think Tennessee's just on a whole nother level. Yeah, I think Tennessee is up there with with maybe the Alabamas and the Georgias. Ole Miss has looked beatable. I know we saw against Kentucky that they they were kind of lucky to get that win. So I think I think LSU and Ole Miss play a close game, and I think LSU gets it done. Maybe maybe like a game winning field goal for yeah. that for that LSU game. So I'm gonna go LSU to upset number seven team in the country yeah so looking at the standings for the sec west um Ole Miss, the only undefeated team from that side and then bama's one loss and lsu is one loss so if lsu gets the win here and bama wins as well then we have a three-way tie in the west between bama Ole Miss, and lsu at four and one so that, that'd be pretty interesting you know if, if if things play out that way which they might i mean both teams that need to win for that scenario to happen are favored in their games. So something to look out for, you know, shaking things up in the SEC West. I think Ole Miss is going to get the win here. I like Jackson Dart. He can actually throw the ball compared to uh, Jaden Daniels. You know, we, we kind of, we've seen him at Arizona State struggle a little bit. And um, we watched that game earlier this year against Florida State. And, you know, he... He had that game-winning drive at the end to tie it up, and they missed the PAT. Looked good there, but I, I see Jackson Dart as a better quarterback, and I, I think that the Rebels will get it done um, in at, against LSU at Tiger Stadium. And uh, let's see. There's one more SEC game that we're going to talk about. It'll be Texas A&M going at South Carolina. Both kind of some weirder outside teams. Texas A&M had a lot of hype going into this season. You know, Desmond had him, had them in his uh, playoff prediction. And then South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler, he's been doing all right, just hasn't been able to, you know, pull through and get those big wins this year so far. Yeah, I'm going to go South Carolina um, just because they're going to be at home and I just don't trust Texas A&M. So I'm going to go South Carolina on this one. I think Spencer Rattler should have enough to get it done done especially at home so i'm gonna go south carolina interesting that a&m is favored though so you don't think they're you don't trust them after their performance against bama no because they should have beat them well it was close it was close yeah 
close doesn't cut it in the SEC, though. Yeah. <laughs> so close doesn't cut it for you, Brock. Close, close works in like you know, the ACC. Yeah, yeah. Like, Wake Forest was close to beating Clemson. So but like, how's that different? I, I feel like it raises kind of the bar for for Wake Forest, but like, close in the SEC could make you six and six, but like close in like the ACC could make you like ten and two. Yeah. So I feel you. I don't know. I just I'm not very not high, very high on A and M. Yeah. I think they yeah. have some some good wins, and then they have you know Appalachian State. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, we forget about that. Yeah, I remind, don't. Let's remind I listeners don't. every week that uh, A&M, they did lose to Appalachian State. 17-14, to 14, Appalachian State. Yeah, let's, we'll start off our episodes by saying that. 17-14, Appalachian State over Texas A&M. I'm picking South Carolina as well, just because they're at home. and I agree. Yeah, I don't trust Texas A&M as well. They're, they're kind of in a weird phase right now where they're probably looking at their bank accounts. Just like, you know, when are when – When's the NIL deal wire going to hit hit my account? Yeah, when's that direct deposit hit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I got South Carolina win that one. A bit of a doozy this week for uh, the Big Ten. Um, the game of the week is Iowa's, Iowa against Ohio State. 29-point favorite for the Buckeyes to be Fox. Is this Big Noon, big noon kickoff? Looks like it. 10. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I think 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Ohio State, huge favorites. So let's just get into predictions. All right, I got Ohio State winning <laughs> and covering. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, last week was a it was a big week for the Big Ten. You know, we kind of got to see Michigan, you know, take care of business against Penn State, um, prove us wrong a little bit. And, you know, this week's kind of slower. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, Ohio State's been looking great all year. They've only played twice in the last decade. And actually, uh, Iowa – in 2017, they won big at home. I think it was 55 to 24. That was back at the the Urban Meyer Urban Meyer era um, for Ohio State. But yeah, Ohio State offense has been looking incredible. Even though I don't know the update on JSN, but we haven't seen him all year. It's been Marvin Harrison, you know, leading receiver, who's also been on that you know NFL caliber talent for sure. But yeah, Stroud's been incredible. Probably top of the top three for Heisman candidates for sure. But yeah, what, what are you what are you thinking here? I think the only thing that's interesting about this game is I think Iowa has the number three scoring defense in the nation, and I think Ohio State is the number one scoring offense in the nation. So that's a matchup. To so look yeah, for. just kind of that matchup of uh, Ohio State offense versus Iowa's defense. Um, unfortunately. Iowa doesn't have an offense to go yeah. along with it. I think they're ranked like 127th in the nation in scoring offense. It's too so, bad because, I mean, they they could really be a serious team. Yeah, if you have a defense like that, you just need like an above average offense to be to be like decent, you know. If yeah. they had an offense that scored like maybe, you know, about 30 points a game, they'd or probably 10. Because be... I'm looking back, they, they're coming off a bye. And then their game before that was at Illinois, and they lost nine to six. Okay, yeah. So all they so, needed was, uh, you know, maybe one touchdown would have got it done for them. And that Illinois team is ranked, so yeah. That oh man. So and I don't know. And then they look pretty good against Michigan too. It's just you know only scored fourteen points, held Michigan to twenty seven. I mean they they could have made some noise there. No, yeah. So you know, I, 
I think this will be, I don't want to say a good defensive test for this Ohio State offense, but I think a team, you don't, you know, have the number three scoring defense in the nation by fluke, you know? Like, you, your defense is good. You know, they force, you know, short drives, no field goals or no touchdowns, only field goals. So I think I think by that standard, it'll be a good test for Ohio State. But I just don't, I don't see Iowa doing anything, especially at the shoe. So it's it's a tough one. You know, in, in years past, Iowa's had that complimentary, you know, offense to kind of make themselves, you know, relevant. But... You know, they just don't have the offense this year, and the defense is, is doing well considering how bad that offense is. So it's unfortunate, but I, I think Ohio State shouldn't really have any problems here. I don't think there's really much to talk about besides that. I think so. it's interesting that they have the the spread at 29, and then the line is at 49. So, I mean, are they, are they talking maybe a shutout victory where Ohio State scores less than 50? I think that's or, what I think that's what that over under is is a uh, is basically saying is um, basically saying that Ohio State they don't think Ohio State will score more than forty nine because if Iowa scores a touchdown then they're like okay Ohio State's not going to score more than forty two points which they've done all year oh, yeah so that that over under is interesting I would I don't know it's don't literally know based because take... look um, Ohio State they're scoring forty eight point eight points per game on average. Okay. So it's literally put at 49, which is how how much they score per game. I wonder why that over-under isn't at like 49 and a half. Because I could see a world where Ohio State scores 49. Yeah, just seven, tu- seven touchdowns. I don't know if they would score 56. I feel like that's still an over, though, you know? Yeah. Because you just need Ohio State to score six touchdowns and then hope and pray that Iowa at least gets yeah. one touchdown uh-huh. which, which they could maybe in like the late four I would take the over actually I would take the over based off of Iowa defensive touchdown somehow yeah somehow like a fumble or yeah, something Strouds the ball slips out of his hand or something something snapped over his head I don't know maybe not even Stroud maybe like the backup comes in and throws like a pick six yeah, or something so yeah, I agree yeah they, I would take they, the over they there. must be crediting you know Iowa's defense yeah, like you know, I was, I was really, really good on defense. Like they're up there with some of the, some of the best. Like if you think about, you know, games they lost to Iowa State, they only gave up ten. You know, to Michigan, they only gave the most points they've given up all season is twenty seven. Uh, so held Michigan to twenty seven. Held Michigan to twenty seven. Held, you know, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State, Rutgers, and South Dakota State to under ten, or ten or under. Yeah. So the only team that scored wow, actually the only team that scored more than 10 is Michigan. Cuz they held they held Nevada to, to zero. Yeah. So they've held five teams under 10 points. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 10 or 10 or under. That's actually really crazy. That must be frustrating, you know, being that, that premier of a defense. It's just like, man, can we get the ball in the yeah. end zone yeah, maybe we- twice? So actually, maybe maybe the over under isn't as easy as you. I I wouldn't think Ohio State's offense would have trouble though. Yeah, I don't know. This will be their first big test though, defensively. I think, or for their offense. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that over under is a little bit tougher than I don't know. That's interesting. That's actually gonna be an interesting game to look out for to kind of see, you know, how 
Ohio State plays against that defense. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think Ohio State's gonna have any trouble beating this team, but I think we're gonna find out a lot about this offense. You know, playing one of the premier defenses in the league. You know, are they gonna cover that? Who knows? So something to look out for there in uh, Big Ten. You know, it's kind of gonna just come down to a race between three teams. We got Ohio State, Michigan, both undefeated, and then Penn State, kind of you know trailing behind after their first loss of the year in the big house last weekend they got minnesota at home um 16th in the country is where penn state is out and that's actually their whiteout game on abc um fun fact they've they've won um the last four out of five whiteout games and they were all games to top 25 opponents so they just they just seem to get it done in that crazy environment I'll, i'll probably be watching that just just based off of you know the history of and you know it's what it's what college football is all about is that environment. Yeah, I think Minnesota's actually been a little disappointing this year. You know, I know they have Tanner Morgan, who's seems like he's been there literally forever. Like I can't I can't remember a time when Minnesota hasn't had Tanner Morgan as their quarterback. But you know they start off pretty well. You know, four and zero, blowing teams out, and then you know they obviously lose the close one to Purdue at home, and then lose to Illinois on the road last week. So probably a little bit disappointed if you're a Minnesota fan, especially because, you know, you kind of expect this team to, to contend for that, that weaker big 10 West. Yeah. But I I don't think Penn state should really have any trouble this week. I think, I think Mo Ibrahim is a fantastic running back and is going to bring, you know, that level for Penn state, especially considering how they got ran on last week. Mm -hmm. But I think that'll be a point of emphasis for him this week to kind of sure that up. But yeah, I think Penn State will win this one. Yeah. Not I, with ease, but comfortable. It should comfortable, be comfortable, comfortable for Comfortable, yeah. I got yeah, I got Penn State as well. You know, wide out, they don't lose. I'm, I'm rolling with uh, Penn State there. Okay, last one of the Big Ten, Purdue at Wisconsin. Yeah, this is just another. Coin flip. A couple weeks ago, this probably would have been a really good game, but, you know, now it's kind of like, you know, both teams are they're just fighting for that division. That's you know a lot weaker than than the other one. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Hmm, Wisconsin two and a half at home. We've seen them lose to Wazoo at home already. I'm gonna go Purdue to win on the road. Just because the coaching situation. The coaching situation is the problem. I know a lot of players have been transferring too from Wisconsin. Yeah. So I think that that builds a little bit of you know uncertainty in the locker room. Yeah. So I'm gonna go Purdue. You know, based on that, I think they should have enough to get it done. You know, at Camp Randall, and you know, Purdue's still at the top of that of that West Division. Yeah. So. So they they have everything to play for. You know, it's just them and Illinois sitting at the top. So they have everything to play for. This is gonna be a big game for them, and they're gonna wanna wanna beat that Wisconsin team. Yeah, it's like a big game for Purdue, and then kind of like, you know, a discouraged Wisconsin team. So I'll I'll pick Purdue as well. I think I think they'll get it done on the road. Last Power Five conference that we're going to talk about before we wrap things up is going to be the Big 12. You know, big week for them. We got two ranked matchups, starting with Kansas State at 17th in the country, going at number eight, TCU Horned Frogs. And I know that the winner of this game will be the last undefeated team in the conference. Um, Kansas State, they're 5-1. and one. Their one loss being to Tulane, which, I mean, is pretty interesting. But, um, you know, it's going to be how can they slow down this TCU offense and Max Duggan. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the Big 12 is the most intriguing conference this weekend. Yeah. I think they got a lot of good football games being played. You know, first with, you know, Kansas State and TCU going at it. Yeah, I think, you know, TCU is really opening a lot of eyes for a lot of people. You know, they obviously, they've kind of had a little brutal of a stretch. You know, they beat Oklahoma on the road. Who was, or was that game? No, maybe that game was at home, actually. I think it was Oklahoma at home. No, it was, it was on the road. Oh, it was on the road? Yeah, it was. So Norman. they beat Oklahoma on the road, who was ranked 18th at the time. Then the following week, oh, they, they ranked 6th at the time. Oklahoma was? Oh, are we talking about TCU? Yeah, I'm talking about TCU. Oh, okay, my yeah. bad. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. TCU I think was at home. Yeah, they were 18th. Yeah, they were 18th. Okay, yeah. Kansas State was on the road when they were 6th in the country. Oh, so the Oklahoma game was at home for yeah, TCU? Yeah, TCU, yes. oh, Okay, sorry. I'm so, yeah, so they, so they beat uh, Oklahoma at home. When they were 18th, and then they had Kansas the next week, college game day. I think uh, it was like 19 versus 17 there. Then they beat Kansas, and then they go at home again with Oklahoma State and beat Oklahoma State at home. Now they got Kansas State at home, so this has been a gauntlet yeah. for TCU so far. And and they've they've really kind of you know they fought they fought to win their games. You know I know they were down early against Oklahoma State last week, and really really fought to win that football game you know, late in overtime. So, huge win, huge win. Huge win, yeah. They take control of the Big 12 and, you know, win this week. They get they take even more control. And, you know, I think like what we were talking about earlier with the Pac-12, with uh, UCLA and Oregon, I think whoever wins this game puts their first foot in that championship game yeah. for, uh, for TCU or Kansas State. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this one goes out. You know, obviously Max Duggan has been balling. You know, we we are very high praise of Max Duggan on this podcast. But I think what's interesting in this game is Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State. I know he came into the season. People were saying he, he might be the second best running back prospect, you know, going into this next NFL draft. He's been a little bit, you know, not great so far. So I think Adrian Martinez is really has really picked up a lot of the load for this offense. But I think we're going to want to see, you know, Deuce Vaughn maybe pick it up a little bit. It seems like he just hasn't had the same kind of impact that, you know, he's used used to having um, in the past couple of years. Like we're talking about a guy who last year went 235 carries, 1,400 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Yeah. You know, and he's sitting at three touchdowns through, you know, six games. So I think he's going to want to get going, and maybe this is the game – to get him going, but I think Adrian Martinez can only take you so far. I think you're going to need some help from Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, and you know Kansas State. I think I think they're a little bit overrated, in my opinion. You know they had that big win against Oklahoma. You know they won by a touchdown on the road. You know the whole country was shocked. But other than that, you know looking at their wins, I don't see anything too special. You know they beat Iowa State on the road 10 to 9. You know, Texas Tech is good. You know, they beat Texas, but you know, I I, I don't see them being that good as well. Either same with Oklahoma, you know, it's like we thought Oklahoma's top 10 in the country, you know, I don't see them as a top 25 team right now as well. So, I don't know. I think Kansas State might be a little bit overrated. I think Martinez is good, you know. We talk about Vaughn. But TCU, man, they've just been looking ridiculous. And, you know, the offense is powerful, but, you know, will the defense be able to hang to get them the wins 
when they start playing some premier teams, you know, later this year when we get into, you know, Big 12 championship talk or maybe even some playoff talk. Because if TCU keeps rolling, they definitely got their eyes on the prize. And like you said, you know, one foot in the Big 12 championship win there and you're definitely in the playoff. No, yeah, I actually, I actually agree with the Kansas State take. I think they are a little bit kind of overrated. I think Iowa State has brought a lot of troubles to a lot of Big 12 teams. It's not a team that has really rolled over. I think they're 3-3, three and three, but I think they play a lot better than that. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty, you know, good win on the road, even though it's kind of low scoring, a little tough for them. I don't think the Oklahoma win's that special anymore because, you know, we've seen Oklahoma hit absolute rock bottom, especially with, you know, kind of what Texas did to them a couple weeks ago. So if I had to, if I had to rank the Big 12 teams right now, I'd probably go, I'd probably go TCU and then Oklahoma State, Texas are kind of interchangeable depending on who wins this weekend. And then I'd probably go Kansas State as, as, as the fourth team. So I kind of expect TCU to not really have any problems this week. I think I think Adrian Martinez will keep Kansas State in the game for most of it, but I think in the end we'll see uh, TCU kind of run away with it. But I think one thing to notice that, you know, Kansas State is coming off a bye. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think we've talked about it earlier in the episodes how you can look at, you know, two weeks to prepare for an opponent or, you know, kind of not having that momentum of not playing last weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how Kansas State comes out. But I don't think Texas Christensen University should have any problem this weekend. I like the Horned Frogs. I think they win by a score, maybe even two, and, you know, really put themselves in pole position to win the Big 12 and get to the college football playoff. Yeah, I see this being like a higher scoring game just based off of, you know, both these offenses. But I think in order for Kansas State to be able to win this game, you know, Martinez is going to have have to have one of those big games like he did against Oklahoma. You know, dude ran for four touchdowns just in that game and threw for one more. So five total touchdowns from him single-handedly took down the Sooners. I think he would have to do that against TCU as well, whose defense has looked, you know, a little bit shaky. Teams are definitely putting up points against TCU. But... I think, you know, the Horn Frogs are definitely they've they've been battle tested. They've been here before. Last three weeks have been ranked opponents. You know, maybe they're maybe they're tired, but I I just think they're hungry for another top twenty five win. You know, keep fighting for that fourth playoff spot. I could totally see them running the table. You know, and and sneaking in the top twenty five for sure. So yeah, I do I do have TCU winning this one at home. Just, just based off of you know how how good Max Duggan has been all year, and and the fact that they're at home, as well. Um, another Big Twelve game is going to be that number twenty Texas going at number eleven Oklahoma State. I know how you talked. I know when you were talking about who you have ranked in this conference, it was either Texas or Oklahoma State. You know interchangeably. This is the game, you know, where we kind of see where things layout for the big 12 as far as standings go no yeah so i think we've been really high on texas kind of um saying that they probably should have been undefeated with losses to you know alabama and texas tech but i think this is this is their real kind of coming out game to kind of show that they are one of the better teams in the conference you know you go on the road to oklahoma state which has been a tough place to play for a lot of teams and if you get a win there 
you really kind of set the precedent for for where the rest of your season wants to go. So for for Texas, this is a huge game, and for Oklahoma State, I think they got a lot of respect from the AP. You know, they lost on the road to TCU and only dropped three spots to 11. So they still have everything to play for as well. But if you go and get a win against, you know, a good Texas football program, I think you're back in the top 10. I think you're back challenging, you know, to get into that Big 12 championship game. And, like, playoff contenders for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, one definitely. Loss, you know, one loss conference champion should definitely get in. Definitely. So, so everything to play for. Everything to play for for Oklahoma State. I don't think they're sweating too much over over a three-point loss on the road and double overtime to TCU. But it does put more pressure on the team. You know, you have to be perfect the rest of the way. And I think if there's a team that can do that, it's Oklahoma State. Yeah. And what's interesting is Texas, who's ranked 20th and then 11th Oklahoma State, the line open at 6.5 for Texas on the road. So, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, how much of an impact Quinn Ewers is for this football team now that he's back. And it's looked good. You know, they kind of squeaked past Iowa State last week. Um, you know, they, they dominated Oklahoma in that rivalry game two weeks ago. So, you know, that line just shows that Vegas, you know, they know how much of an impact Quinn Ewers has on this team. No, yeah, and I think for for Texas, you can argue that they are battle-tested and have played a lot of good football teams. I think for Oklahoma State, I think you can't really make that same argument. We know we talked about how when they played Baylor on the road, who was ranked at the time, how we wanted to see kind of what Oklahoma State was going to look like. And then they ended up winning that game against Baylor, but now Baylor's kind of not looking so great. They're 3-3 three and three out of the rankings, kind of out of the out of the race for the Big 12 as well. So their next best next best game would be, you know, that TCU game last week. They obviously came up short, lost by three on the road in overtime. So so for Oklahoma State, you know, their their best game or best team that they played was against TCU last week, where they lost by three. And besides that, you know, they gave up forty four to Central Michigan. They gave up seventeen to a pretty poor ASU team, I would mm-hmm. say as well. So I think I think that's why you see Texas favored in this game is maybe Vegas kind of respects the way that, you know, Quinn Ewers and when Quinn Ewers plays for Texas football, kind of how they look. So I think this is a big game for uh, for both these teams. I think Ohio State kind of, wow, Ohio State. I think Oklahoma State kind of lost a little bit of their credit, you know, after losing to TCU. As yeah. I think everyone saw them as, them as the premier Big 12 program. But I think, you know, they kind of lost that with the loss to TCU. So I think they really need a bounce back. Yeah, there's their chance to, you know, win that credit back. But who do you got? I'm going to go with Texas. Yeah. I'm going to go with Texas on the road. I, I just think when Quinn Ewers plays football for this Texas team, it's night and day. You know, when, yeah. when he doesn't play, I think this Texas team is just, they're okay. You know, they're not fantastic. But I think Quinn Ewers really elevates them to just a new level and to a level where I think they, they can compete, you know, with anybody in the country. So, so I got Texas winning. You know, that line is pretty crazy, six yeah. and a half on the road. But I got Texas winning in a close one. I think Spencer Sanders is going to have a real good bounce back game. But I think he's just going to come up a little bit short at home. Just like last week. Just like, <laughs> uh, just like last just week. Just like last week. Man. You know, you know before, we, before we get dissed um, about how much love we're showing Quinn Ewers, you know, keep in mind that, you know, if this dude stays healthy, they'd probably be Alabama. So, um... Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. And they probably beat Texas Tech, too. So they 
they could be 7-0 and right now, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, whatever. But I, I got Texas beating Oklahoma State here on the road. Queen Ewers just been balling out. Like Brock said, you know, this this is a whole different football team when he's out there on the field. So I, I think they will get the job done and, and prove that they are, you know, up there in the top two for the Big 12. And um, let's see. We got, we got one more. Oh, yeah, Kansas at Baylor. Last Big 12 game to talk about. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, this would have been a fantastic match. Yeah. This would have been two top-ranked teams, but I don't know. I think Kansas is still missing their quarterback. You said it's at Baylor, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Baylor should be able to get it done at home. I think I think Kansas, without their quarterback, is a completely different football team. And that's why I'm going to go with Baylor at home. I just think, you know, they had a uh, it was a Friday game, I think, against West Virginia last week where they came up a little short. I think they're going to want to, you know, get revenge on that one. And I think they're going to take it out on Kansas and win at home this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I got Baylor as well. Kansas is just I – don't, I don't think their backup's terrible. I just think that they're different without – without Jaden Daniels at starter. Um, let's see. So so we're going to give some other non-Power 5 conference teams some love by giving three games our predictions. First being BYU at Liberty. BYU coming off of their loss and then pl- going to play Liberty on the road. Who do you got? Surely BYU can't lose three straight, right? I think Jaron Hall's too good of a quarterback to let this team do it. I know they have huge problems on defense with their defense just being way too soft and giving up too many points. I'm going to go with BYU, though, on the road. I just th- I still think Jaron Hall is an NFL quarterback, and I think they'll have just a little bit too much for Liberty, but expect a high-scoring game for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go Liberty. That's that's it. I'm not going to say any reason why. I just got Liberty. Home. Yeah, home, uh, yeah, home team. Home team home for team. sure, and just based off of BYU losing the last two. But I got Liberty winning that one. Um, Boise State at Air Force. I think this is for the Mountain West. I think these are the two top teams in the Mountain West right now. Oh yeah. But I'm gonna go Boise State. I think I think Boise State's also kind of creeping back up to being, you know, one of those probably the best, you know, G five team in the nation. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh I think that 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 spot for the, the New Year's six, the um the spot for the G five team, I think it's completely open right now. Yeah. I don't think there's a team maybe Tulane has it right now because they're 25 but but usually it's like notre dame yeah but uh, yeah it's it's completely open right now so so boise state still got a lot to play for if they went out finish 11 and 2 i think they'll have a case to to fill that that near six spot yeah. so so you got boise i got boise over air force okay. air force will run only run the ball though they, right. they don't pass they run that like triple option or whatever they're the run force so, they're not yeah. the air force i think they lead the the, the nation in rush yards really so they don't they don't run the ball so boise, they don't pass the ball they only run the ball that's funny because their name is air force and they're just yeah. run force run force <laughs> yep yep yeah i'll go boys state as well they got a lot to play for um last game before we wrap things up memphis at number 25 Tulane. yeah talking about those two lane uh green wave i saw something something today that it was like which is the better wave Tulane Green Wave or Roll Tide? <laughs> and I was like, that's Tulane kinda, Green Wave, let's go. Is is it the Green Wave or is it the Roll Tide? But yeah, Tulane's interesting. You know, they've they've actually beaten some solid programs. You know, obviously Kansas State on the road, uh, Houston on the road is is a solid football team as well. So you know, they they enter the rankings at twenty five. You know, they obviously have you know New Year's Six. As, I guess Cincinnati's still ranked. I didn't know Cincinnati was still ranked. They just jumped in this week. Cincinnati did. Yeah. 
But, you know, Tulane, if they win out, they obviously have Cincinnati on their schedule on the road. So win out, you, you can fill that that uh, that spot in that New Year's Six Bowl. So I'm going to go Tulane to beat Memphis this week. You're riding that green wave. I am that green wave. Just hanging loose on the green wave. Green wave over, over, the over roll tide, dude. Over roll tide, dang, all right. Yeah, I'll go Tulane as well. I, I like I like the points you brought up about them, and you know they they have everything to play for, just like Boise State. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with Tulane. And on that note, we're gonna green wave on out of here, and uh, you know wrap up our fifteenth episode. We appreciate you guys joining us. Um, we hope you like the new format. You know, doing it conference by conference, keeping it more organized. Um, if you do, let us know. If you don't, then also let us know, and we'll probably still do it anyways. But, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be back Sunday with a recap for Week 8. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. So, yeah, drop a review, drop a follow, and we'll see you guys next week.